All right, welcome to episode 28 of the Blue Crocus Experience. My name is Louis Vandervoch, and I'm joined by Ron Fossum of Tax Plan Wealth. So uh, earlier this week, we had a bookkeeper on, and uh, we're kind of continuing that trend here with um, going a step further and chatting about taxes. Uh, I didn't realize it was going to be both in the same week, but I had a couple of people drop out. So Ron is up to bat, and this, this works well. It's the, the money week of the podcast. Um, so, so Ron and I met... Uh, I guess it would have been last year, um, virtually, and we've tried it a couple times. And I got to see the value you bring to the market and wanted to, to bring you on and chat with you so I could learn more, but also so people could really understand a bit more about what you do. So if you want to introduce yourself a little bit, your, your background, and then we can carry on through. Well, thanks. I appreciate you having me today. It, uh, it just literally came out of being a serial entrepreneur and having businesses and then the First time I got a six-figure bill from the IRS, I'm like, this, this can't be how wealthy people do it. Uh, and so I just went on a mission and found out that like earning money is one entrepreneurial skill that we all need to learn, but keeping money is an entirely different skill and frequently overlooked. I mean, taxes tend to be one of our our biggest uh, line item expenses, and the one get, gets ignored, unfortunately. Uh, most commonly. So uh, I just went on a mission of uh, how do I solve this problem for myself? And it just kind of turned into uh, a full-time gig years ago that evidently it's not as common as uh, as it needs to be. And when you think about it, there's, there's a boatload of companies and we, we hear bits and pieces of this all the time, like Amazon earned 10 billion last year and paid no taxes and uh, Alaska Airlines and Delta Airlines and GM and uh, Levi Strauss uh, was like $4 billion last year, paid zero taxes in federal. Uh, and the list goes, goes on and on. Netflix is one that made the list this last year. Uh, huge revenues and no taxes. And it's legal, moral, and ethical. Uh, and so it's just using strategies like that is uh, for small business owners is really our niche. And how, do, how can we apply what is in the code to... Uh, to really make a difference and be able to keep more of our money. Uh, that's been my passion for over a decade now. That's amazing. Uh, and you have a, a Facebook page called Tax Plan Wealth, correct? Yeah, yeah, okay. sure. So you can you can pop on there, uh, check that out. He's always, he's like, oh, a new uh, new 300 page code came out and I just read through it and here's what you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> always always fun to get the, the Coles Notes version of the 300 page because no one's gonna read through that. <laughs> it's, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do that this weekend. And then my wife's like, you work this weekend. I'm like, no, I didn't. I just read some of the code. And <laughs> very different perspective. You have, you have strange pastimes, Ron. <laughs> but it's worked out for you. And, that, and, and that's why, you know, that's why we have you on here chatting with the listeners today is because you've taken the time and to distill this down to things that, that actually matter and actually work for people. So, um, I, I, I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun. So you're going to, I think you're going to pop on with a presentation at some point here. Um, so if you're listening to the podcast, uh, you'll be able to see the presentation. He's going to screen share uh, a bit. So YouTube will have that uh, screen share on um, if you are wondering what he's talking about, but you'll, I think a lot of it will be able to be gathered from the uh, audio as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll explain most everything, but every once in a while our charter graph might make a little bit more sense with a picture. Sure, sure. So I don't know. 
we kind of discussed different ways for this conversation to go, but um, maybe start off by talking. We, we talked a bit already about like, you know, big companies out there aren't paying taxes, which is, is awesome. And I mean, everybody complains about it, but there's, there's ways to morally and ethically, you know, put that money elsewhere in your company and, and you're going to get into that. But um, can you just start off a bit by talking about how that works and how a business owner can, you know, optimize things. It, it's, it's a huge topic, but break it down. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. And, and here's, let's start from like 30,000 foot before we drill down too much is bookkeeping and accounting tend to get lumped in with taxes because you got to have the books to file the taxes. But uh, if you don't do your books correctly, uh, then, and you wait to the end of the year, you're going to overpay for sure. And so taxes and accounting usually are separate niches. Uh, usually a really, really good bookkeeper or accountant is not as strong in taxes. And usually someone who's stronger in taxes is not going to be as good at the tactical mechanical stuff of bookkeeping and accounting. Um, and then you throw that in there. So those are really separate niches uh, but that need to coordinate really well. But then it, you think of it like a timeline, there's tax resolution, which is if you're behind a little bit, uh, I was talking with someone a couple of weeks ago, they haven't filed in seven years. So they're behind a lot. Uh, that's one whole piece separate then, uh, than just doing your normal tax filing. So uh, tax resolution and then uh, a tax plan, just like you'd have a business plan or a financial plan, you'd have a tax plan uh, yeah, that's, then, a, that's what I'm excited to chat about because people, uh, that was a new concept to me that you can actually plan out how much taxes you're going to pay because you yeah. know, a lot of business owners feel helpless and at the mercy of, oh, well, there goes all my money. Yeah. And part of that in, in I don't want to throw bookkeepers and accountants under the bus because we need those guys. Uh, but if you only approach your tax person at the end of the year and if you shovel the shoebox to them or, you know, it's November or December, there's... By definition, planning is an activity that happens in advance, right? So uh, we can't just wait to November and then think we're going to be good. Uh, tax planning is really some. This is our busy season right now. Here we are in, in July, August. Uh, we are swamped working on 2020. A lot of tax preparers are still working on 2019. And so that's kind of how you can kind of tell who you're working with. If they're proactive and they're a planner, they're working on 2020. If they're reactive, and that's usually a very tactical type person versus a strategic, if they're reactive, they're working on 19. And they just went through this, you know, the 15th was when we were supposed to have our, our taxes filed. Yeah. Uh, so, and that, that tends to be, think about it more like peanut butter and jelly. It's not that either one of them is better. A tactical person and a strategic person really work well together. Uh, peanut butter and jelly or salt and pepper, whatever you, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you need both. They're, neither neither one of them are, are better than the other. So what if what if a company already does end of year planning? Is that, or end of year tax planning, is that, you know, kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, end of the year tax planning is one of those, like, it's common expression in the industry and it's one of those oxymorons that doesn't make any sense. Um, it's like jumbo shrimp or, you know, military intelligence or something. It, it just doesn't exist. End of the year is too late. Uh, so we, every year we get calls in December, you know, hey, it's the 15th and I need to get something done before the 31st. 
there's very little you can do in the last two weeks of the year that are going to make uh, enough to really move the needle. Uh, yeah. So really, uh, tax so when should they start? It's uh, if they don't have any, it's as soon as as soon as they can. And what usually holds people back is, oh, it's another expense. It's another item. Uh, I'm already paying an accountant and they're already doing this. They say they're going to do the end of the year tax planning. End of the year tax planning usually is what they really mean is a end of the year tax projection. And we're going to adjust the final quarterly payment or something like that. But it's not proactively looking at strategies, <clears throat> excuse me, to reduce your overall tax, which is a very different piece, right? So, uh, and I know we'll get into some, some ideas of some of the ways that we can do that. Uh, but you need time to implement some of these things to reduce your tax bill. And they can kind of fall into all kinds of different categories. It could be, uh, everyone has heard of deductions. And so a deduction is going to be worth whatever tax bracket you're in. If you earn a dollar, you're in a 30% tax bracket, you have a $1 deduction, you're going to save 30 cents. Tax credits, however, are dollar for dollar. You earn $1, you get a $1 tax credit, you've saved $1. So credits get overlooked all the time. <laughs> and there is a ton. Here we are in the middle of the CARES Act that got passed with you know Congress and President in the middle of this COVID disaster. And there is a ton of credits available. And everyone raced to the SBA loans. Uh, that got all the press. And there's all these tax credits hanging out there that uh, are just getting missed all over the place. Uh, and then there's just flat out exemptions. Uh, they get missed all the time too. There's ways to pull income from a business that is completely exempt from tax filing or tax taxable income. And those get missed all the time. So that we're really looking for those types of things. Where does the business owner's activity align with all of the rules? Say, how can we make these facts and circumstances and documentation meet the IRS rules so that we can take the exemptions, deductions, credits, whatever they may be. I love that. Yeah. So basically you're, you're very proactive with everything that you guys are doing at tax plan wealth. It's, you know, let's plan out what you need to do early in the year, the way you're going to spend your money, the way you're going to save your money, you know, what you're going to buy and, and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. And it, and it really doesn't, I mean, we have a fee, but it doesn't really cost you anything because Forbes tells us 93% of business owners. So you might as well say hundred percent. 93% of business owners overpay by 10 grand or more. Wow. And so when you start looking at, at a business owner and what they've been doing and what they've been paying, uh, if we can reduce that 20, 30, $40,000, but you got to pay five or 12 or something, like there's a real ROI attached to those dollars in the first year. Yeah. And you immediately can start paying less taxes every single month, every single quarter and get that material benefit immediately. You don't even have to wait for the tax filing season to come around. Wow, wow, that's awesome. So can you give us some examples of, of how that works? Uh, you know, for, for Joel Blow down the street that owns, you know, half a million dollar contracting business, what does, what does all this mean to him in, in real terms? Yeah, for sure. Um, so most people have heard about a home office. Um, but separately, separate from the home office where you do all your day-to-day -day activities, uh, which is a, it's, that's a deduction for sure. But separately, there's a, there's a rule that says, based on your entity, uh, if you have a, an LLC, an S-Corp, C-Corp, you should be having some meetings 
document those meeting minutes, have a resolution, uh, have some amendments, like all of that is what really separates you personally from the business. And you now have this corporate veil around your business activities. And if you don't do that, they're going to pierce that corporate veil, come after your personal assets. So if it's a law in all 50 states, it is a law that you have these minutes, amendments, and resolutions. You got to maintain that entity. A lot of business owners just like set it up and then don't ever maintain it. They might as well not even have it. First time they have a lawsuit, first time they have an audit, they're going to pierce that corporate veil, take all the deductions, take their personal assets. It's going to be bad. Yeah. So if it's a law that we do that, then where can we align that activity with uh, also a tax strategy? So why not have these corporate meetings at your house and the corporation can rent the entire house out uh, instead of just your office. So if your little office is you know, 200 square feet, uh, but your house is 2000 square feet, uh, you could rent out 2000 square feet uh, up to 14 times a year. And if we call your local hotel, it has to be reasonable and customary. So uh, if we call the local hotel and say, how much is a 2000 square foot conference room to have a meeting? And they say, it's gonna be a thousand dollars a day. Well, the IRS allows you to do that 14 times a year. So there's $14,000. It's completely deductible for the business. It's required by law that you have these meetings. So why not document it properly? write up a lease agreement and that kind of thing. But when that money comes over to you personally, it's not income at all. So it's deductible for the business and completely tax-free to you as a business owner. To you as the, the homeowner, basically, as the, as the yeah. hotel owner or the, the office space. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it literally goes from the business account to your personal account, bypasses Social Security, bypasses FICA, FUTA, uh, payroll taxes, all that stuff is... It's just tax-free money uh, up to 14 days a year on your primary residence or vacation home, not like rentals or anything else. Um, so that, that's a, an obvious one. Another obvious one uh, when we're talking to somebody is, is putting their kids on the books. Um, the youngest, there's no minimum age in the, in the IRS code, but it says up to age 18, uh, there is very specific rules about how to employ family and children. And we've been able to identify about 42 or 43 different job duties that kids could do uh, that would be age appropriate, depending on how old they are. But uh, hiring your kids is same thing, tax deductible to the business, no FICA, FUTA, Social Security tax, and then also comes over to the kid at $12,000 a year, they don't even have to file a tax return. So, so talk to me about how a five-year-old can, can help the business. Cause I don't think we want to be doing child slavery here. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. There's, there's certainly needs, it's going to vary a little bit on your industry and there is uh, child labor laws around hazardous job duties and hazardous job sites and that kind of thing. That's the biggest restriction. And the youngest, so when something's not in the code, then we go to the court cases to figure out what our guidelines should be. And the youngest court case that we can find where it was upheld was a seven-year-old working in the business and it was totally fine and accepted. Interestingly though enough, the five-year-old and six-year-old court cases, they weren't kicked out because of the age of the child. They were kicked out because mom and dad moved the money from the business account over to mom and dad's account. And that's not how you pay employees, right? So the kid's a minor, they can't have a bank account on their own so mom and dad have to co-sign a bank account. 
but it has to go from the business account to the child's account. Yeah. And then normally mom and dad will just keep the debit card and so they still control it. Yeah. But but it just on paper it wasn't done properly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's what kicked them out. Uh, so basically you're saying as a business owner you could be paying your kid tax-free money and and putting that all into a savings account essentially for them for university or whatever. Oh, I love I love where your head's going. Uh, so yeah, let's say you've got three kids and they're, you know, 9, 11 and 13 or whatever. Absolutely, you can pay them all $12,000 each. Uh, that's per year. Per year, $36,000 a year that's coming out tax exempt. <clears throat> and it gets better if you're gonna save that money. Uh, once you have earned income, anybody who has earned income qualifies to do a retirement plan. And tire retirement plans are deductible. So there's an extra $6,000 you can do per child. So now it's at 18,000 per child not just 12. Uh, so the six would be deductible. You would have to file a return at that level. Uh, disclose the 18, deduct the six, and then the 12 is exempt. Uh, but yeah, 18 grand per child. And then the reasons for pulling money out of a retirement plan can be college or first time home buyer, all of those kinds of things. So that the child can start earning some of this stuff themselves. Uh, or even paying for their own after-school activities with tax-free money instead of, you know, mom and dad paying tax at their income level, probably 30% plus, yeah. and then going and buying the football cleats and shoulder pads and all that stuff. Uh, oh, yeah, that's, that's a great option as well. It's basically tax-free money for paying for any activities. I mean, sports are not cheap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Musical instruments, karate lessons, like all that stuff could be the kid could pay for themselves out of their own income. That's, that normally that stuff would never be deductible any other way. That's huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, what's what's another good one? Another good one that's kind of more timely with this COVID thing is uh, normally gym memberships are not really ever deductible anywhere. Um, and because of COVID, there's this rule that started way back in the eighties and it kind of evolved over time. It's literally the entire code is like three pages. It's a super short section and it only applies whenever there's a natural disaster or an emergency area or whatever, right? So president Trump declared uh, a national disaster. I think it was March 20th or something like that. And then he backdated it to March 1st, but some other states one is early. I think their earliest one I found so far was January 20th. They declared, an emergency zone, right? Disaster zone. Yep. While you're under a disaster area, anything related to COVID, like gyms closing, you can now go buy a treadmill or an elliptical or whatever else, put it in your house and it's entirely deductible under this special section of the code. Uh, all of your uh, sanitizer, face masks, and all the stuff you're doing to protect yourself totally deductible even though that's personal use uh on a lot of that stuff because it's natural disaster causes or whatever just because we're under natural disaster zone rules um what was another oddball one home school activities because schools closed because it has to start with covid because of covid schools closed because schools closed kids had to come home so now johnny needs a new computer because dad's working from home so now Johnny's computer, who doesn't even work in the business, 
Johnny's computer is tax deductible now too. Wow. And it's under the schooling rule. Uh, home tutoring, because dad's working, you got to hire a tutor to come in. Tutor is not, not ever deductible anywhere else. But while we're under the disaster zone stuff, uh, there's a lot of oddball stuff there that is just like- They, they came out of your, your weekend reading. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, all that kind of stuff. A lot of even over-the-counter meds and vitamins and that kind of stuff falls into this category as well. Uh, so that stuff is like, that can really add up. The, the most I've seen so far, we were, it's a pretty wealthy client, but he had about $40,000 worth of deductions that he was able to find just in the last three months. Wow. All qualified under this disaster relief. So $40,000 deduction is going to move the needle for that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, when you say deductions, that's tax free money basically coming through the door, right? Yeah. So yeah, imagine yeah. you're, you're being paid 40 grand uh, and usually you lose like up to half of it. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, yeah, you so get, if, he's a, if he's in a 40% bracket, that's going to mean like $16,000 of actual cash in his pocket. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And, and you, you touched on this earlier, Ron, but basically um, I'm, I'm going to brag on you a bit and what you do. Uh, people that sign up with you, you know, you, you sit down with them, you look at their situation and, and how they've structured their business and all of that. And you come up with a plan, but you have, you lay out obviously your cost, but it's like they have a, a hard and fast number pretty well um, that they're going to save. And so they can very easily see like, Hey, I'm paying Ron this much, but like I'm getting all this other money for free that I never would have gotten if, yeah. uh, if you hadn't come along and picked it out of the trash can, basically. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes the numbers get so big. So we just talked about planning generally is on a go forward basis, but sometimes we're looking at a return and something doesn't make sense. And so we'll go back a couple more years and look at three years returns and anyone can refile three years if they found a mistake. Not only will the government give you your money back, they'll give it back to with interest. Wow. <laughs> it's just like, you know, the, the taxpayer makes the mistake and the government gives you the money back with interest is, is absurd, but that's the deal. It's not a lot of interest, but it's something. So yeah. we, we were reviewing someone's return the other day and it was like $471,000 is what we were able to find of overpayment. And so we're in the middle of refiling their last three years returns. Did you say 471,000? Yeah. That's a big number. Yeah. Yeah. And then we looked at his business partner's return and he, one of them was buying out the other one. So it's a partnership in a company and one partner is leaving. So there's one remaining partner left. The previous CPA checked the box. This was the 19 return and we caught it right before they filed it. He's like, I don't know why just, something doesn't feel right about this return. Can you look, can you review it? And we're like, yeah, a couple hundred bucks. We'll review it. No big, no big deal. Cause we didn't prepare it. So we went and looked at it and they checked one box that says final return. And when you check the box that says final return, the IRS closes that EIN number, which then closes the business permanently. Oh. They don't like to open, it's literally a mini act of Congress to get IRS to reopen an EIN. It's not an easy process. And this company is doing like 14 million a year. Uh, and they would have closed their business just because the the tax preparer checked the box wrong. And just because a partner is leaving does not mean it's a final return for the company uh, at all. That's wild. <laughs> so That's on, wild. Top of, on top of checking one box wrong, we also found that $471,000 in one partnership. Uh, that, that, it's a big deal. 
Like some of these mistakes can be super simple. And if we don't understand what we're signing and sending it in, uh, the consequences can be huge. Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. So, so talk a bit about the process. Um, if someone say like, is there, is there an income requirement to meet with you? Um, you know, what's the process and they get in touch with you and then what happens? Yeah, for income, it, it's more, if you're just a W2 employee, you need to be making a pretty healthy, you know, solid, you know, 200, $300,000. Cause for W2 employees, there's not a whole lot. Uh, it needs to be a lot of discretionary income for a W2 employee to then go do other stuff that works. Yep. Uh, but as a W2 employee, you don't get to write off that much uh, at all. It's uh, Robert Kiyosaki wrote in Rich Dad Poor Dad 25 years ago that the code is written for self-employed people and investors. That's entirely what it's written for. 90% of the code is for those people. Yeah. So sometimes the advice for a W2 person is let's find a side hustle for you to have a business. And once you have a business, you be able to write off a lot more. Uh, so for an income level, that's all we're really looking for for W2. For an employee, uh, for a self-employed person, uh, yeah, we don't really we don't really attach it. There's always something to be found. We have tax plans that can range from like twenty five hundred all the way up to twenty five thousand. What varies that fee is the complexity. So we have at the at the base level uh, bookkeepers. We have accountants. We have CPAs. We have EAs. We have tax preparers. Uh, tax resolution uh, people. We have. Uh, CFOs and tax planner. That's where I spend most of my time is the tax planning section and CFO. I'm a CFO for about seven different companies right now. Uh, and then tax attorneys. Like we've got all that on our team and the likelihood uh, that you're going to need everybody is pretty slim. Uh, so a lot of it is just looking at what you're currently doing and understanding how many people do we need to bring to the table to get this done for you. Some people just want the tax plan. Give us the ideas and the strategies show me where in the code it is, which all of our tax plans show you exactly. Here's all the code. Here's all the, uh, the court cases. Here's treasury rulings, private opinion letters, all that stuff is all included with your tax plan. So if they're pretty like do it yourselfers or pretty sophisticated, or they've got a great team, a bookkeeper and accountant already, they just want the plan. That's great. Uh, sometimes they kind of look at the plan and then figure out, Oh, well, this is kind of over my, my team's head. Uh, we've kind of outgrown who we have, then we'll just plug in whoever we need. Uh, and that could be a whole separate engagement if they just want the plan or they can have the plan and we can bring everyone who's needed. So, uh, yeah, and they can also, they can also get the plan for, for, you know, a lower cost. And then it lays out very clearly the cost savings. So it becomes a no brainer at that point. Yeah. You know, yeah, to, sure. to engage you because, you know, they're still making money, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll attach a tax savings number to every strategy on a real conservative basis. So that 14 day rule, for example, maybe that saves you 4,900 bucks and you know, the home office strategy is going to save you, you know, $372 or something. Uh, some of the most powerful strategies are when you start to like stack them all together and start using like the home office is, is usually not a lot of money. It's a percentage of your entire house. And then you're writing off a percentage of utilities and all that stuff. Uh, but where you get the most money is when you stack the home office with the vehicle. And you're like, oh, I don't drive that much for business use because I'm work, I work from home. Well, the reality is the way the code reads, when you're at home, 
you don't have a home office and you go to uh, your W-2 job, that's commuting and that's never deductible. There's no exceptions. It's just a no-fly zone. But when you're, you have a home office and if you go to a W-2 job uh, or you go to your own office, like a doctor would, could have a home office and an office where he meets patients or uh, what they call a temporary work location where you're going to go meet a client or something like that. Every time you leave for one of those things with the home office, now all of that mileage is business use. So it's not uncommon because you add the home office and you're going to save a couple hundred bucks on the home office, but you'll pick up thousands and thousands of dollars on the vehicle mileage when we track it right and you know the rules. So, so it's you not... You could be based out of your home and have a tree service business, for example, and you, you know, your equipment's parked in the backyard. Uh, even if it's a full-time thing, you don't have, you know, a separate office or, or shop. All of that can be tracked as business expenses. Yep. Yeah. If you're a landscaper, you load up all your equipment and you're going to a client's house to go do their stuff, but all that mileage is done. But um, you go to the client's house and then you're going to run over to the bank and then you're going to like, you're, you're, you're doing your business. Yeah. Uh, even if it's in your, even if you don't load up the equipment, but you're doing it in your personal vehicle, the personal vehicle is deductible as well. Uh, it's all on how you track it. So a lot of that is just one, knowing the rules, working from home actually increases your deductions and strategies, being self-employed increases it, uh, and then how to stack them together. So just those ideas, if you get the home office and then the vehicle and then the 14 day rule, <laughs> you can start to see how these all start to, yeah. They You're basically working for free money now. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Yeah. We had, we had a, uh, awesome little, uh, guy that he was in New York. <laughs> he had 10 kids and, uh, seven of them qualified to work in the business. So by the time we started stacking up the vehicle, his wife didn't drive because she's a full-time <laughs> caregiver essentially, uh, with 10 kids. So it was just his vehicle, the home office, seven of the kids working in the business. And I think it would be two other strategies. Uh, he was able to do what Amazon did and got to zero really quick just because, because he, he started to stack some of these things up. Yeah, that's awesome. That would, that, that would be a life changer for every business really, but uh, especially yeah. for some that are, are really racking it up. Yeah. And I, I don't, I'm not promoting that zero taxes is the where everyone should be. We all appreciate roads, schools, you know, police department, fire department, all that stuff. Uh, but what we would kind of focus on is tax efficiency. Yep. If you look at, look at Warren Buffett. Uh, he's pretty well respected. Uh, people don't really think he's playing in a gray area or a shady guy or something. And we don't see his, uh, his personal return every year, but we did see it in 2010. And he made $39 million that year and effectively paid a 17% tax. Wow. And so that's, that's kind of our target is if you're in this 15 to 20% zone, uh, you're probably doing okay. If you keep 80% of your money, 85% uh, of your money, uh, you can build a real net worth. Yep. Uh, when it's, uh, when it's less than that, uh, and you start giving away, you know, 30, 40%, I was just talking with a guy in New York again, because they have a city tax, a state tax and a federal tax. He's at 51%. Wow. wow. So that was a big savings for him to get down to 17. Yeah. Or whatever number. I guess you didn't say the number there, but 17 would be, that would be huge. Yeah. It, it moves the needle. 
And then, and then what would you do? Like every business owner, this is a fun question. What would you do if you cut your business, your taxes by half? Uh, would you hire the guy that you've been wanting to hire as a key employee? Would you spend the money on marketing? Would you, uh, you don't even have a marketing budget. Maybe we should have a marketing budget. Yeah. Uh, would it be leads? Would it be uh, someone to answer the phones more timely? So the business owner doesn't have to answer the phones. Uh, would you actually fund your retirement plan properly <laughs> so that yeah. you can retire and not work forever? Would it be the kids' savings, uh, college savings plans? Uh, like what, what would you do with those dollars? Look at what you've made, uh, what you're paying in taxes, divide that in half and go, what would I spend with that money? Uh, or how would I invest that money? And that's usually a really fun exercise. Yeah, no, that's huge. That's huge. Um, I know I know you have to go here soon. So, how can people get a hold of you if you know what you've said has resonated with them and they're like, "This is this guy's crazy. I got to go see what's going on." <laughs> yeah, they they can reach out through Facebook that uh, Tax Plan Wealth uh, on Facebook, or they can uh, just go to taxplanwealth.com, connect with us there, uh, or they can just call us four two five three eight one two two five three. Uh, and my staff will make sure that they coordinate their calendar and my calendar and, and uh, we'll get on a Zoom and we'll just, you know, have a conversation and see where they're at. Uh, we kind of want to meet business owners wherever they're at. So it's, you don't have to change CPAs, bookkeepers, if you've got a good thing working, but you want some additional strategies, we can just fill in wherever, wherever something's missing. I love that. Yeah, I'll get you to send me the links to all, all of the things you just mentioned and I'll throw them in the, uh, in the notes for the podcast. Um, and just before, you, just before you go, maybe you can, I know you've, you mentioned you are a business owner and that's kind of what led you down this road. Maybe you can toss out a couple tips for business owners, um, you know, just to, it's, it's tough being a business owner for a lot of people and, and obviously you've been through the trenches. So what kind of one or two things would you say to the people? I, I would get really serious about understanding your price points, because I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> the more we talk, the more I'm a geek about numbers. Uh, most business owners don't know their true margins and they randomly price the product or they've used like bottom up type pricing where it's like, oh, I think my costs are gonna be this, so I'm gonna charge that. Or that's what you know, my neighbor's charging, so I'm gonna charge the same price. And they don't really know what their costs are associated to uh, their price point uh, or they'll know their cost of goods, but they won't know their operating expenses. And you got to factor both of those in there. So getting a written business plan, getting it out of your head, getting it on paper. I, I cannot remember the last time I did a business plan with a client that they didn't change their pricing once they saw all the numbers and it had a written business plan. How are you going to grow your business? How's the money going to flow? What are all the different uh, costs associated to it? on a month by month basis. Once you see that all mapped out, uh, it's very powerful. So a real business plan, ours takes about eight pages, uh, super simple. It's not 300 pages in a binder that sits on a shelf. Uh, but business plans and entity structuring, make sure you maintain your entities because if you get caught up in a lawsuit or an audit, they pierce that corporate bail, they ask you for your corporate kit and you don't have one. You have no minutes, amendments or resolutions. Uh, they're going to go after all your personal assets, your house, your car, college savings for the kids. Like all that stuff is at risk needlessly. Uh, and so let's, let's make sure we maintain our entities. Those two would be, give you a lot more clarity on your business. And then once you're that clear, scaling really becomes easier, much easier. 
because you know where your costs are. No, I love that. That's that's maybe uh, something that speaks to me as well. I, I'm, I'm fairly new, but I, I definitely need to work on that. So that's, that's awesome. I appreciate that, Ron. Oh, we all do. We all do. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, Ron, it's been an absolute pleasure. I hope that uh, I've certainly learned stuff. I feel like I say this with everyone. I've learned stuff, and I, I hope that the audience has as well. Um, for anyone who's listening or watching, reach out to me or Ron if you have questions. I can connect you with Ron. Um, I'll have all his info down below. But this has been this has been fun. Oh, thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it very much. Awesome. All right. Well, we'll we'll just wrap up off air here and and carry on. Okay. Take care. Have a great day.